the Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. So we normally have a lot of good guests on the show. Um, we have a, we have amazing guests on the show, um, but today our guest is is you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but so, you're pretty amazing. So uh, what what happened? Did we not book somebody? <laughs> no, we've been talking about having you on as as the host of this yeah, show. That's true. Talk, talking about your book. You have two books, actually. Because we but, never have time. We never have time to right. talk about things we do. And right. uh, my and publisher kept Hitchcock saying, you know, why don't you talk about your book? Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Suspense with a camera in particular, because okay. I love Alfred Hitchcock. You love Alfred Hitchcock. The right. listeners love Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. I'm assuming that, but um, I'm pretty sure. So on the show today is, uh, well, I'll be on the show Yes. Uh, later on today. You can tweet us at Borges Film or email info at Borges.com. So we're, let's, we're gonna... let's take a break. And right. then when we come back, we will talk about my book, Suspense with a Camera. Sound good? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, this music that you're listening to right now, uh, this is the theme song to the Hitch 20 series that I produce, uh, and Forrest is a part of that too. So yeah. uh, this theme music is uh, composed by Radislav Zaradovic, and I can never say his name right. So we'll be right back. That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. Now is Jeffrey Michael Bays, the author of Between the Scenes, what every director, writer, and editor should know about scene transitions, and the book we're going to talk about today, Suspense with a Camera, A Filmmaker's Guide to Hitchcock's Techniques. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Oh, thanks, <laughs> for, have, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I had to do that. Um, I'm a so, big fan, by the way. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> have you liked our podcast yet? All right. Yeah. You're, 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 you're our biggest fan. Yeah. Um, so tell me, how did you first get into like liking Hitchcock films? What was that moment? Well, I like to say that it goes back to when I was 15, when I first saw my first Hitchcock film, which was Rear Window, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was um, I was so amazed at how uh, how hyper present in the moment uh, that film was. It made you feel like you were actually there. And it had such an impact, um, so much more so than other films had. And I, you know, it, it fascinated me because I was, you know, interested in filmmaking, and so it kind of, it kind of set me on a path of, you know, inspiring me to become a filmmaker and figuring out how he did that. 
as the years went by, it was kind of like a side hobby, like, uh, you know, it was just something I was interested in on the mm-hmm. side. As are most filmmakers, you know, it's like, hey, I, I can make a movie. You realize you can make a movie. Yeah. And the first time I directed a feature, I turned to the writings of Hitchcock, you know, as kind of inspiration. And the book uh, by Truffaut, the Francois mm-hmm. Truffaut interview book, which everybody talks about. And now there's a big documentary about that book. I actually um, have that. So in going through that book, what I did was I, I took notes. And what ended up what it ended up being was a checklist of how, you know, of advice from Hitchcock. And it became the 13 film techniques of Alfred Hitchcock. And so I posted that on the internet. And this was back Mm -hmm. in 2004. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot about it. Okay. Yeah. So as time went on, I began to notice in my, uh, my web statistics that that article was the most popular thing on my website and it was hugely popular at one point it was thousands of people per day were actually reading this article Mm -hmm. and now you're becoming an expert so there was something there that was that was uh attracting people to this material and by the way there was nobody else on the internet doing that right so as time went on, I started writing more articles, and those articles were about Hitchcock's film techniques, different aspects of it, and mm-hmm. those articles became popular as well. So it, what grew over a, maybe a five-year span was about you know five or six articles about Hitchcock that I had online, and it was the most popular thing that I had ever done, despite all of the other things I have done including mm-hmm. not from space on XM radio. So which is pretty cool by the way. Yeah. So I knew there was something to this. There was something a craving out there among filmmakers about how to be like Hitchcock. So I guess it was one of those things where the demand created more content. You know, I just kept doing more things with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, eventually I did a documentary and posted that on YouTube. Okay. And then that became popular. And so then I started the Hitch 20 series. And that became popular. So every time I do something with this, it always becomes popular. So then I started teaching it in workshops around the country. And you still so do that. I still do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually it turned into a book. Suspense with a camera. Yeah. Now, how did you come up with your... your um there's seven parts of the book, but it, 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 for pre- the seventh part is interviews with other directors and whatnot. How did you come up with these six parts, the the six main parts of, um, you know, using Hitchcock's techniques? Like, for instance, part one is digging up the suspense. How did you come up with that? Like any particular order or did you just say, I want to do it in this order? A lot of this book is those original articles and the notes that I took on the Truffaut book and all of the other books, Hitchcock's writings, the Sidney Gottlieb book, and a lot of the things that we had explored in Hitch 20. um, We should probably mention that, what that is. Yes. Hitch 20, the 20 episodes, uh, television episodes that Alfred Hitchcock directed. 
And so because they're not talked about very often, because his movies were, there's so many movies, people talk about the Mm -hmm. movies. But the TV episodes are, they're fun because they're short and they're, um, they're really good explorations of his style, especially in a low budget kind of a situation. So for indie filmmakers, they're just really fun to watch and kind of uh, figure out his style. And so because our series um, is on YouTube, we sort of had to um, each one, we had to find something new and different mm-hmm. so that we don't become repetitive. <laughs> and so what happened is that through those 15 episodes that we did, it started to uncover some, you know, some topics like the suspense models um, mm-hmm. that we came up with. And so that's that's what I put in the book. So a lot ah. of a lot of what's in the book is from our Hitch Twenty series. Uh huh. And so you've actually learned, uh, continue to learn even through your own works and uh, working with others. Yeah, because um, the great thing about Hitch Twenty is that we bring other filmmakers and and experts into the series to comment. And so we, I just open it up and say, talk about whatever you want, just whatever your reaction is to this mm-hmm. particular Hitchcock episode. And that creates kind of a a way of uh, finding new ideas. And it makes, you know, at being involved in it, it makes me look at things differently, makes me look at everything I watch on TV. Uh, not that I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do, I can't watch it like I used to. I, I can't just watch it for what it is. I got to like study the... Uh, it, uh, you know, the camera shots and it drives my wife nuts. I go, Oh, look how they used a low shot there. She's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. But, <laughs> but you know, it, a filmmaker uses all of this stuff. And, you know, I like the way you said the way that the episode makes you feel, but in your book, you also talk about facts, um, such as uh, your breakdown of dip in the pool. Um, and you're talking about like 47 camera shots were used. It, like you actually sat there. Now, who does that other than Jeffrey Michael Bays? Count <laughs> the camera shots used in it. And then 94% of them were standard medium shots. Yeah. That's great information for filmmakers. That's where, you know, the that's what's great about this book. It's not just, oh, you should watch this episode um, and that that episode. This is actually breaking them down in giving people guidelines, you know, and of course, on the very next page, importance of not cutting. And you're talking about the episode of revenge, which I believe was episode one, season one. Yeah. That's the, that's the first episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. And yeah. And the most important thing that we, that we found in the series, I think, and that's why it's Mm -hmm. in chapter one is um, planting a secret. And we have, there's a graphic that I like to use in the series where there is a bubble above someone's head with a secret. And then you've got other people that don't know the secret. Mm -hmm. And so as a filmmaker, you put this person with a secret in a room with people that don't know the secret. And then all of a sudden you tease the audience about that secret getting out. And that is what we have found in Hitch 20 is the basis of a lot of his suspense in those stories. And then if you go back to the movies, you see, oh, he does it there too. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very um, basic take on his, what he used to call the bomb theory, 
which is, you know, you tell the audience more than the characters know. So the audience feels suspense if there's a, bo- a bomb hidden under a table mm-hmm. and nobody on the screen knows about it. Well, the audience then feels suspense because uh, they hope the, the characters will find out before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um so, so what I do in the book in the first chapter is, um, in the first couple of chapters, really, is um, I really break down the pieces of how you, how you set that up in your, in your movie, you know, how you find a secret and how you um, set up a situation where that secret is uh, almost going to get out. And that's the important thing is that it's almost getting out, but it never actually does because then the suspense is gone when it does. Right. And you need and, to have a twist uh, to uh, surprise people at the end of it. A prime example of that is, and I, I, the name of the episode escapes me, is where he's got the body in the trunk and the taillights blinking. Yeah, that's one more mile and, to go. Yeah, yeah, one more mile to go. And the, and the police officer <laughs> keeps pulling up. Hey, your taillights out here. Let me fix that. And he's got the body in the <laughs> trunk. And it's like he's bringing that officer, like the thickness of the metal of that trunk away from the secret. And it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's because the audience crazy. knows that the wife's body is in the trunk and um, the man knows it's in the trunk, but mm-hmm. nobody else does. So we as the audience, we have this kind of uh, special bond with the protagonist. We know yep. s- the secret information and we're special because we've been given this privileged um, access. And so that immediately brings us closer to the character and... Uh, we start to care about them when they get close to getting caught. That's really the, that's really the simplest way to put it. And And, and you know, what's funny is you said it, care about them. This is the bad guy. And you find yourself rooting for him. Like, Oh, please don't let him get caught. Whereas in real life, you'd be like, let him get caught. Mm -hmm. But but in the Hitchcock somehow has a way of twisting our, our way of thinking And, Mm -hmm. and, and one more mile to go. And he's like, it's like, oh, please don't let him get caught. <laughs> it's like, but you really do, you really do want him to get caught. Yeah, I'm um, um, perfect. Now Hitchcock did it with, and you talk about it in your book. He did it visually, but he also did it with sound. Um, he, he created suspense with sound. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, and this goes back to uh, you know the the silent film era. Because Hitchcock started out in the 20s in which there was no sound. And so when he finally did, he directed the first sound film in Britain, which was Blackmail. And Mm -hmm. so he experimented with that film. Just every possible way you could use sound, he did (laughs) as an experiment. Um, And the one thing that he experimented with was was the use of silence. Because before then... All the movies, all the silent films had music accompaniment for ever, mm-hmm. through the whole film. Right. Um, but once the director had control of that, then they could use lack of music for a dramatic purpose. Uh, and he used things like that throughout his career. There's a lot of things. Um, but one of the things he did was uh, a, most, a, a memorable episode uh, was Four O'Clock. Mm-hmm. in which there's a man tied up in a basement with a bomb. And uh, so he's hoping that uh, he's hoping to be rescued. And so he's listening to the footsteps upstairs, hoping that his wife will walk close enough so that he can make noise to get her attention. And so he's there's this whole scene where he's listening to the footsteps 
And so mm-hmm. we're listening to the footsteps. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's the footsteps that are creating this tension. And uh, so we're hoping that she walks close to the stairway. And he can, uh, he's really honed in on the sound of the clock in that episode too. Oh yeah. You can, through the whole episode, you actually hear the clock like, cause it's an, it's an old school alarm clock that, that alone adds to the tension. It's like, you know, time is moving constantly reminding you that it's getting closer to four o'clock. What's going to happen. Yeah. And that's uh, the important thing about suspense uh, moments is that you do want to use the sounds of the environment. You don't want to use music. You don't want to use a music score in a moment of tension. And mm-hmm. so for some people that is kind of counterintuitive because that doesn't make any sense. Well, if it's tension, well, why not have upbeat music to make it more tense? Well, no, because in a situation where uh, you have a secret getting out and you have mm-hmm. to, you train the audience to listen closely, um, that music's going to get in the way. So you want the audience to be listening to all those little sounds to the ticking, to the footsteps, to, you know, every little thing that's going on in the room, because all of those little clues are going to um, make you feel more present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's interesting about that episode, another thing, and you talked about it earlier, this secret, like, like one more mile to go. We, as the audience know the secret, the, the woman in the, in the trunk. And this one, there's also a secret. The man's wife has a secret, but we think we know what the secret is, but we're not sure. And and I, I find it interesting that the audience doesn't know the secret in this episode. So he's kind of twisted it a little bit in, in here. The, the man thinks his wife's cheating on him. And uh, so we kind of think we know the secret. And then, uh, you know, in the end, we find out something different. Yeah. And that, that goes back to what I call the triad of secrets in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty much you figure out in order to manipulate your audience, you figure out what everybody knows, um, including the audience. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's some things that the audience doesn't know. And there's some things that the protagonist knows. And there's some Mm -hmm. things that the antagonist knows and the other characters know. And as a filmmaker, you figure out how much to reveal to each other, to the audience and that's the triad of secrets. <laughs> and let's talk about camera shots now. Uh, the way okay. Hitchcock, um, I, I'm kind of jumping around your book here, but I'm at uh, part six. You talk about playing with space and, and yeah. basically that's your, your camera shots, wide shots and uh, tight shots and whatnot. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how, how the indie filmmaker can use Hitchcock's techniques? So the camera is... It's your storyteller. It's uh, it's how you tell the story visually to the audience um, without dialogue or sometimes despite dialogue. And and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with a dip in the pool in which we looked at all of the shots in that episode. And we were surprised, actually, to find out that most of the shots in the film were just kind of boring medium shots, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so that's that's true for a lot of Hitchcock's work is that it's all boring medium shots. Uh, But the trick is that you need those shots in order to make the important shots stand out so that your storytelling shots are the close ups. Mm -hmm. The close ups tell emotion, they tell story information and they tell important changes 
in events. And so that's when you tell your story is through your close-ups. And the only way those close-ups are going to stand out is if there's a lot of medium shots around them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And wide shots, because in order for a close-up to really have impact, it has to come from a wide shot, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's right. the opposite. Matter of fact, that episode ends in an ultimate wide shot. Right. Yes. Which is kind of which is like the punchline. Yes. And and the deaf woman walks straight into the camera, so it turns from a wide shot into a close-up. Yeah, to an extreme close-up. Yeah. It goes from extreme wide to extreme close-up, yeah. all in a matter of, uh, in one shot. And uh, one of my favorite episodes, and you you discuss it in this chapter about you know using space, is Lamb to the Slaughter. And I think that's probably, if you were to um, poll a lot of people, I think that would, I want to say that's going to be their favorite episode, uh, Lamb to the Slaughter, where, yeah. the, where the wife, uh, kills her husband with the leg of lamb and then serves it yeah. to the cops. Um, but you talk about like a tracking shot of using the space and the shot's really beautiful. You know, it just kind of follows her as the conversation's happening and she's as cool as a cucumber just walking to the freezer. You know, the husband's <laughs> telling her, you know, I'm leaving you. And she's like, what do you want for supper, honey? And she's just kind of <laughs> like blocking this out. Um, can you talk about how he uses tracking shots and smaller shots? Well, yeah, and that's another thing. Camera movement also tells story. And so you only want to use those during those important moments. You have a mix of emphasis, the motion and the the change of uh, you know, proximity to the character. That's creating an emotional emphasis. Um, but it's also giving you that feeling of live television that you're following these people around in real time. He would reuse some of his, I don't want to say tricks, but the final scene in this, the camera pans into Mary's laughing face. And but that's how he ended Psycho. Yeah. It was like this, it was Psycho. This uh, Now, I'm not sure what he did first, this or or Psycho. Um, this came first. Yeah. This came first. Okay, so he reused this shot. The final scene in this was the final scene in Psycho, basically. Um, and so it, it shows you that Hitchcock, as original as he was, would also reuse um, some of his, um, I, I guess, would I call it a more famous shot? It's not a standard shot that you would use, but he reused it in the sense that, you know, he, to grab that emotion of zooming into the yeah, crazy so, face. Right. So you've got the crazy person laughing at what they did. Yeah. Um, and getting away with something. Mm-hmm. And so you you dolly in to the, from a wide to a close-up of that person's face. Um, yeah, because it's creepy. <laughs> because it makes yeah. you feel creeped out by it. So that's why it's useful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see another book coming out in the future on Hitchcock? Because you're continually learning. Do you see something well, else? Uh, nothing planned. But you never know. Because, uh, like I said, the, the, the audience is... Uh, it depends on what people want, I guess. Um, we have five more episodes to get through, so who knows what we'll discover. Um, yeah. I'm always uh, surprised by what we do find in the next episode, so you never know. As, a, as am I. I mean, it's so interesting to see four or five people watching the same episode and then 
when they say something, you're like, oh my, yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> or, oh, wow, you know, like, I never thought of it that way. It's interesting. People should check that out. Hitch 20 on yeah. YouTube. It's, and, if uh, you're a Hitchcock fan, you got to check it out. Yeah, for sure. And we will do uh, a special podcast episode about Hitch 20 at some point, hopefully. When we actually have a new episode coming out, we'll we'll bring everybody on, talk about it. All right. And now that we've talked about your book, how can people yeah. get the book? Well, they can go to MWP.com. That's the publisher. Um, there's a substantial discount, I believe, for that. Um, you can also get it on Amazon, uh, free shipping in the U.S. You can also get it at Book Depository um, in the rest of the world. And that is free shipping to most countries, mm-hmm. um, including Australia, by the way. Cool. Suspense (laughs) with a camera. Suspense with a camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock techniques written by Jeffrey Michael Bays. Jeffrey is not only the host of this podcast, but he's the (laughs) guest today. So uh, I'm a co-host. Let's say that. Yeah, you're a co-host today. Forrest, thanks uh, for having me on. Hey, you know, hey, I do what I can, Jeffrey. You know, (laughs) I I had to clear it with Jeffrey before I could have Jeffrey on. But uh, yeah. and uh, is it available as a Kindle? I have. The, yes. Yes. Okay, it is. Because I have paperback. I'm a paperback guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, they they look better on a bookshelf than a Kindle does. So, um, yeah, so you can get the Kindle version if you want it right now. Just go on your Kindle or on your phone and um, just download it to your Kindle or at least go on to Amazon or something and put it in your uh, wish list or put it in your cart. Well, this makes a really good Christmas gift for a filmmaker in your family um, because Hitchcock accesses all generations and seems to be just as exciting to the younger generation as it is to the older. Yeah, uh, definitely check out Jeffrey's book, Suspense with a Camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock techniques. And also check out his other book, Between the Scenes, if you'd like, what every film director, writer, and editor should know about scene transitions. Two books by Jeffrey Michael Bays. Jeffrey, thanks for actually talking about your books today. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to do it. You don't sound happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like twi- it was twisting your arm to do this. So, yeah. hey, we got to talk about you. So, thanks for being on the show again. Uh, we'll... We'll, we'll have you on next week again. How about that? And the week after, and the week after. Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. It's a deal. All right. <laughs> Cue the music. All right. The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of Borges Networks, 2018.